Are you listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform where you can leave a rate or review? Do you like what we're doing? If the answer to all of that is yes, please consider quickly giving us a five-star rate. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a nice review, we greatly appreciate that as well. Okay, let's do this. Hello, welcome to the Ghost of Harren Hall. My name's Simon. And I'm McKelly. Thank you for joining us for episode 220 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 76 of A Storm of Swords, that's John 11. And as always, we're going to chat about the chapter and try not to spoil any future plot points for you, and hopefully we're going to provide you some entertainment along the way. We'll summarise what happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some relevant news and listener correspondence. Be sure to check out the show notes, they'll provide some additional information about the characters and other things of note in this chapter. How are you, McKelly? I'm doing alright. I am much more in a festive spirit than I was last week when we were recording. I, I, You know what? You're such a professional. I didn't notice your lack of festive spirit last week. <laughs> well, that, that was what you asked me how I was doing last week. And I said I was trying. I was trying oh, to get right. into the holiday spirit. Uh, now you don't have to try. The, the difference a week can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's because of after uh, I got two more work days and then I'm off for two weeks. I could have something to do with it. That's pretty nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, how about you? I noticed how are you notes, doing? I'm, I'm all right. I'm fine. I, I, I'm exactly at the level of Christmas spirit I expect to be in. <laughs> Meh. Meh, right. Um, I notice our notes has a conspicuous lack of things to talk about here, so we're, we're, we're off the cuffing this. I, I will tell you, um, my team went for our holiday lunch together last week, and we had a really, we had a really great time. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. I mean, I like my team. I like them very much. But we don't do an awful lot of socializing, so I wasn't sure how it was going to be. We had a great time. We had a really nice uh, meal, and we all had drinks with it. And one of the team brought homemade bottles of Irish cream, like Bailey's. Oh, wow. And arrived with these bottles in the restaurant, demanded 10 glasses, poured out two bottles of this stuff. We drank it down before the restaurant twigged what we were doing and said, Hey, you can't just bring your own booze. <laughs> uh, yeah, they usually frown upon those things in such establishments. <laughs> uh, despite the fact we supplemented with outside booze, we still managed to go $200 over budget. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I have a hundred. I'm pretty sure I know what budget is. And you went $200 over that. $200 over budget. So who pays that? You out of pocket? Uh, it's it's currently out of my pocket. I'm I'm thinking about people I'm pretend I'm going to pretend to have invited a posteriori, the ghost of Christmas, <laughs> the guy who retired two years ago. Right. <laughs> well, at least it sounds like you guys had quite the time. We had a great time. We really did. That's good. We had a nice time for my team lunch as well. Uh, you know, uh, my manager ordered a bunch of hors d'oeuvres for the table. You know, as you would do with a, a large table at a festive environment. And one of the things that were on the table were, were grape leaves. And I'd never had grape leaves before. So I didn't start with them, but I was trying everything else, including a fried lemon. Have you ever had a fried lemon? It was never terrible. Had a fried lemon. I've had grape leaves because I didn't live under a rock, but I've never <laughs> had a fried lemon. Well, fried lemon is what it sounds like. A lemon that they apparently dipped in a fryer and it tastes like a lemon that someone dipped in a fryer it was terrible. So I would not <laughs> recommend it. <laughs> but so, uh, you know, uh, our meal was getting ready to come and I saw there was one grape leaf sitting on a plate over there. So I asked the lady next to me if she could, could you to hand me the grape leaf plate. I, I might as well try one while there's a, there's still one there. It turns out that was the plate of the, <laughs> That was like the food of the guy next to her. And so I was like, did you hand me his food? <laughs> did she? She was like, uh, I think that belongs to him. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. There was a plate of you, grape leaves. <laughs> you should have been like, I know. <laughs> I want it anyway. He's not paying for it. Well, I was like, well, when he looks the other way, just sneak it off the plate. <laughs> I will say, actually, thinking about your team and my team, your, your your team is, I mean, demographically, your team is quite a bit younger than my team. 
Yes. Yes, that is true. I mean, they're all kind of like your contemporaries, and mine are all kind of my contemporaries. Yeah, which is not exactly making it a young team. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm guessing the youngest person on my team's uh, age begins with a four. Yes. yes. So. <laughs> That's like my soccer team the other day, the teenagers and the 40-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I've been working on my uh, annual holiday dinner trivia that you started me on like a million years ago, and I've been doing Uh every year since. And I thought I would do a cheat code this year, and I asked ChatGPT to create me a 20-question trivia broken down into four categories with these categories. And, you know, I gave the categories, and it's like... Within seconds, it, it gave me a, a whole trivia sheet. And first of all, I forgot to ask for the answers. So then I had to say, well, wait, I need the answers too. <laughs> uh, it's a shame you noticed that. It would have been great if you just like printed it off and marched off and given the quiz to 100 people and then been like, wait a second. Why don't you just tell me what the answer is? <laughs> So what do we think the answer might be? I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> it's a different type of quiz. It's going to be by consensus. Oh, <laughs> uh, but then, so I did that probably a week or so ago. And, and the dinner that I I unveil this for is coming up in three days. And so uh, it was yesterday. I thought, well, I better look through this and make sure I have an idea of what's going on. It was garbage. None mm. of the questions were accurate. And... It would say things like, who hosted the Oscars in 2023? And then the answer it gave was Neil Patrick Harris. But that was not true. Jimmy Kimmel hosted the Oscars in 2023. Uh, All the questions were wrong. So... uh, Wait, wait. So so you did it again and got it to provide the answers? I just said, can you provide... I need the answers for the the trivia questions you just gave me. But all like... It gave me multiple choice because I said mix it up multiple choice and some not multiple choice. The multiple choice ones all had the choices. None of them were the correct answer. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was like, well, this is useless. So after uh, work this evening, before dinner, I was scrambling to try and create this trivia. Well, with hardly you any had time some left. good question. I mean, that's not a bad question. You right. need to go and do yes. your research to find out what the answers are. Yes. And, and it's already given you some good wrong answers for the multiple choices. <laughs> you just have to get rid of one of those. I did I did use it for some, but, but some of them were completely useless. Like it said, what happened, which of these things happened in 2023? And the correct answer it gave was uh, first human to walk on Mars. And I was like, I'm oh, Pretty sure that's not true. <laughs> would have probably made bigger news than Yes, I would think so. I don't think that the news would be broken to me by Chat GPT in this quiz. <laughs> so that's what I get for trying to trying to use a cheat code. Yeah. That was a good idea though. I thought I was like, oh, because it takes so much time and effort. It takes hours of trying to come up with Google searches to find questions and you know and trivia and news and such. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to let ChatGPT do it this year. Fail. Hard yeah. fail. I've I've kind of stopped doing it, but but I've I've got an invite to spend New Year with some people. And so I, oh, yes. I, I am thinking to roll it out again this year because it's, it's been a few years since I've bothered to do one. And there's a very strong possibility that you could be snowed in over New Year. So you might yeah, I'm be going there. up to the mountains. So yes, yes. with a... With... We we had thunder the other day, and my wife says that in the winter, thunder pre- uh, prefaces snow. I've heard you've told me that, that Carson has said that. Yeah. She's very strange. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get down to business, shall we? How did we leave John Snow? Last we saw of John was so recent, even I remember it. Um, he was... <laughs> He was in the crowd watching Gilly breastfeed Mance and Dalla's son. Uh, he was <laughs> not learning of Bran's resurrection from the tight-lipped Sam. Um, by the way, d- does Sam know that Rickon's alive too? He does not. I-, I saw this in the in the notes here, and I went and looked. The conversation is only 
Sam realizing who Bran is and Bran saying, please don't tell anyone. Right. It rather tracks that we forgot to ask whether Rick and Lysandre <laughs> <week>. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Even Sam didn't think to ask or Bran think to offer. <laughs> Uh, John was also discussing possibilities for Gilly and her baby. And then after that, he returned to the yard to train the green recruits because Alistair Thorne is not pulling his weight as the trainer of those recruits. So, McKelly, why don't we give the summary of this one? All right. Well, John is sparring in the yard with Satin. He wants the young recruit to lift the heavy shield higher. Satin counters well, but he needs to put more strength into it. Before they can restart, Melisandre appears. The yard quiets at her beauty. It's John she wants. Stannis would like a word atop the wall. John changes clothes and meets back up with her at the cage winch. The nearness of her is disconcerting. Her smell reminds him of fire. She doesn't seem to feel the cold and proves it by putting her warm hand on his cheek. Uh She attributes it to Relor. Only death is cold. They find Stannis at the top, dressed like someone who does feel the cold. Uh, <laughs> Melisande presents John as the bastard of Winterfell. Stannis asks how much of what he's heard of John is true. John doesn't sugarcoat it. The basic facts are true. But he was working under orders from Corrin Halfhand. Except for the part about Egret. Well, <laughs> again, stretching the, stretching the what he was told to do, he had to endear himself right do what was asked whatever to was the asked. cutest wildling he could find <laughs> so stannis surprises john by stating that he believes him john is curious as to why because stannis knows Jaina slint and he knew ned stark he doesn't consider ned a friend but only a fool would have doubted his honesty and honor and john has his look john deflects the praise it was Ghost that found the dragonglass, and it was Donald Noy who held the gate. Stannis recalls that Noy made him his first sword and Robert's hammer, and he would have made a better Lord Commander than the candidates here. John defends Pike and Malister, but not Slint. Stannis thanks John for Mance's wife and son, but John points out that Dalla died, Val is her sister, and that he was simply left in her presence. John fulfills his promise to Val and asks if she and the baby can visit Mance. Stannis points out that Mance's crimes are punishable by death. Why give him any favour? John says it's not for Mance, but for Val. Melisandre detects something. Is John fond of the beautiful Val? Stannis warns how treacherous beauty can be, citing Cersei. Stannis wants to know more of the wildlings. Is there enough honour in them that he can invite them into the gift? Bend the knee? Abide by the laws? John sings their praises. Stannis thinks that Tormund, who was not captured, is rallying the remnants of the wildlings into a new attack. John admits that Tormund is not an enemy you'd want to have. Stannis asks what kind of man John is. His father had worth, his brother courage. John's not sure what the king wants, but falls back on the I'm a man of the night's watch. Mm-hmm. Stannis asks why John thinks Stannis came. John doesn't really sugarcoat this one either. Because we sent for you. Don't know why it took you so long. Stannis recognises the Stark in that answer. And the Snark. Yes. <laughs> he tells of Davos's counsel and how he is here to face the enemy he was born to fight. The god of night and terror, confirms Melisandre. But now Stannis reveals the point of this discussion. He doesn't need a good soldier at the Wall. He needs the North. The Starks are all dead and the Boltons have thrown in their lot with the Lannisters. The Iron Islanders still hold the West Coast, but are distracted by internal squabbling for the Seastone Chair. What Stannis needs is a loyalist in Winterfell who can unite the North. Who better than a son of Ned Stark? John raises objections. Winterfell is burned, then rebuild. I'm a Snow, not a Stark. A king can legitimize with a word. I've taken Night's Watch vows. You did so before a tree, and the only god is Relor. John admits to himself that this would be a dream come true, but to abandon his father's gods? John does agree that they'll all die unless they fight their common foe. Stannis wants him to marry Val too. John says he'll need some time to think about it. Stannis agrees, but he's not patient. All John needs to do is bend the knee, and he'll arise as John Stark, Lord of Winterfell. Now that is a much better final sentence than than Sam's I'd talk to Pike and Malister, but I'm too craven. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, it was connective tissue. 
Right. Yes. Here, here's where the big payoff was in this chapter pairing. Yeah. This is kind of what we were building to. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it is a big thing. I, I, I don't want to say that I've never really enjoyed John chapters, but I've always felt that John was headed towards a dead end. But this is, this is the way back for John into the main body of the story on many levels. Sure. This yeah. is the way back because he, right. He is the only male Stark left living to the knowledge of most people. Right. We and Sam know that Bran's alive, and we especially know that Rickon is alive. (laughs) (laughs) When we remember. (laughs) Um so so yes, he could come back into this and and rebuild, reforge the North, but will he? He didn't say yes straight away, even though it's a dream come true. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. And he gives his reasons and, you know, it's understandable that he wants to take time to think about it because some of the reasons that he gave are things to not take lightly, like breaking your Night's Watch vows again. (laughs) Within a moon's turn, twice. <laughs> there, there was, help me, help me if I'm wrong here, because I often am. But there was no mention of he. The king can legitimize with a word, but he didn't say, "I can relieve you of the vow." He didn't say that, but what he literally said was, "Your vow didn't count for anything because you didn't say it to Relor." Right. That's that was Melisandre's uh, chiming in and saying, "You might as well have said it to a shoe. It doesn't mm. matter." saying it to a weirwood tree but uh you would think if he can legitimize someone that he can also remove the uh night's watch vow but i would have thought he would have made that point because because the thing is right casting it the way they did it makes john feel like in order to get out of my night's watch vows i have to recant my religion yes yes i get your point it does feel like Stannis and Melisandre are just saying, eh, don't even worry about it. Like, Just walk right. away from it. You didn't actually say a vow to anything but but some tree that I want you to burn down anyway. And, and the other thing about that is that it kind of like undermines the whole point of telling a vow. I mean, the vow, if you vow something and you vow it upon something that is precious to you, then it doesn't matter if that thing isn't precious to another person. They know yes. you made that vow to something precious to you and therefore it's a binding vow. Excellent point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also think there's an interesting sort of like, so you, you're contrasting these two chapters by the way they ended. I think the scope and focus of the two chapters is quite interesting as well. Sam's was very parochial. It was much more about Gilly's well-being and the Lord's, Lord Commander's succession uh-huh. votes. Whereas John, we're, we're widening the focus again to the future of the Seven Kingdoms and the existential threat to everyone of this God of Night and Terror. Right. Very much so. I I had the same thought that you did. Yeah. The Sam's chapter was much more about the political landscape yeah. of the Night's Watch as well and how the vote tallies were going, where John is more like the political scale of the entire realm and and the battle between two gods. Which is which is one of the strengths of the story, of course, is having these different POVs, you get different sort of scale of interest. You know, you get the Right. This oh, is yeah. how it affects the everyman. This is how it affects the lords and uh, ladies. Yes, and no, no one more makes that more clear than with Arya chapters, where usually she is like... A leaf uh, on the wind. Uh, yes, she's just small folk, you know, just mixed up with the small folk, just usually dealing with how to survive the day. And in his own way, Sam as well. Yes, yeah. So... um. 
it starts with John sparring with Satin. Just a reminder on on who Satin is. He's an actual recruit of the Night's Watch. He's from Old Town. He was raised in a brothel. Um, he, John thinks he has some potential. Potential. Donald Noy thought his archery was passable, and he was John's sidekick during the attack on Castle Black. So he actually killed quite a few wildlings during that. That's right. Yeah. And you know, uh, so after he spar, after John spars with Satin, well, during his sparring with Satin, Satin directs his attempt John's attention to behind him where Melisandre is waiting for him and he Melisandre wants him to meet Stannis meet them at the top of the wall she says we'll we'll await you on atop the wall and John thinks that this is Stannis's true queen not the one he left in Eastwatch and it just goes back to our discussion from last week wondering about Selyse and how she feels about this relationship between Stannis and Melisandre. Others clearly see it a certain way, looking at it from the outside. Yeah, but I mean, you could also just put that down to people's prejudices. If a king has an advisor who is an attractive woman, it's not a huge leap to go, (laughs) I know what they're talking about, you know. That's sure. What yeah, people yeah, yeah. would naturally do. Right, right. And, you know, but if you stop and consider it, it's unlikely that Stannis would put Selyse aside at least any time soon because he needs the Florence yeah. and what few reach lords still remain to absolutely. him. Absolutely, absolutely. And, but, you know, if Selyse doesn't give him a son, it's possible he might consider it at some point. Although this loosey goosey Stannis might just stick with Shireen as his heir. Yeah. It's, easy to speculate on what might come to pass but you're absolutely right i think for the short term he cannot afford to alienate the florence they're they're amongst his most valuable uh, allies right not all of them the ones he sets on fire before he leaves dragonstone obviously less so <laughs> those ones those ones less so they're the florence are such fervent queensmen so bought into relore i would be curious to see how it would impact their uh, religious verbosity if all of a sudden Solis was out of the right. picture. Would they? But that, would they still support Melisandre? Yeah, but that's also the reason that they they pretend it's not happening. I mean, we don't know that it's happening, but let's let's imagine it is happening, and the Florence pretend it's not happening because she's the priestess of the religion that they've uh, just saddled themselves to and the last thing you want to do is then undermine that conversion by thinking the worst of the converter yes that's that makes sense it does i will say i think again melisandre is attractive and i think that the ride in the winch cage is a interesting moment Uh that she puts her hand on john's face she knows her effect on men she's she's somewhat subtle about it she doesn't sort of like overdo it but she is she she pulls men's strings when she she and she doesn't seem to do it for any particular reason she just wants to sort of establish you know dis, she wants to disconcert right. these guys so that they don't know what Absolutely. to think around her she is the peter baelish <laughs> when she did that i my very first thought was that was not just a mm. feel how hand warm my hand is she could have put her hand on his wrist or whatever she chose to put it lay it on his face and i thought i've been around long enough to have an idea when a woman is using her feminine wiles to get the upper hand with you never (laughs) (laughs) never never not with me but with a mid-teen man he might just be inclined to agree to anything that stannis asks for at this point (laughs) but but is is she doing that for stannis is she is she in some way trying to endear herself to john so that john does what stannis wants or is she got plans for john herself oh maybe i thought i was thinking she is doing whatever for relore and usually what she's doing for relore lines up with helping stannis achieve his true enough true enough so when they get to the top of the wall they're talking to stannis and of course um stannis recalls uh I, I almost forgot this until until it happened. I'd f- forgotten that Stannis would know Donald Noy. But when when Stannis right. 
praises John for saving the um, tunnel under the wall, John points out that it was actually Donald Noy. And of course, Donald Noy was blacksmith to the Baratheons. And so he made uh, Stannis' first sword and Robert's fabled warhammer. So uh, he was an important part of their lives, you would think. Yeah, I thought it was really cool to hear him praise Noy. And he said Noy would have made a better Lord Commander than any of the people that are vying for the position today. slightly faint praise, but yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Two guys who know what they should do, who are so at each other's throats they can't agree on anything, and Janice Slint. Them's your choices. (laughs) Right. Ed Ed Dollar's Ed. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yes, coming up on the rail with two votes. Yes. Now, there's a chemistry discussion here that uh, yeah. you are surely qualified to yeah. further explain so John, to us. As... John remembers that Donald Noy described the Baratheon brothers to John. And in that description, Donald Noy said that uh, Robert was steel, but Stannis was iron. And then I thought to myself, you know, McKelly probably doesn't know the difference between those two things. So let's inform him. Um, right. Steel, they're... they're made of the same element iron is the element but steel has small amounts of carbon in it it's an alloy of carbon and iron and that just that small amount of carbon it doesn't take very much uh it makes it stronger less brittle and more rust proof okay and so if you get compared to one of those two metals you definitely want if someone says oh you're you're iron you you might want to say i think you mean steel I think you mean steel. Now, did you ever imagine that your PhD in chemistry would pay off in such a unique form as it did just Uh, here? I imagined it would pay off. (laughs) Some way, shape or form. But I've been wrong before. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say I grew up in the Steel City where one of the most popular... No, is that that the Steel City of of uh, the UK? Okay. I grew up in the steel city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where one of the most popular drinks is a beer called Iron City. Ah, there you go. So I've got it, but, but I did not know. Yeah. I still didn't know the things you were just telling us about. So, um, so Sheffield is my alma mater. I've lived in Sheffield for quite a long time. Yes, I'm very fond of Sheffield. Right. And um, the ice hockey team is called the Sheffield Steelers. Okay, all right. Good stuff. Now I'm a fan. <laughs> don't play so, don't play but, ice know, hockey in England. It's dangerous. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know, right? That was terrible. Really terrible. That guy, uh, he was a Pittsburgh Penguin was, for, I remember, for a bit. I so Stannis' reputation surely seems to follow him. And, and Davis can attest to such a nature that he's hard and brittle and doesn't bend easily, exactly but that's that's it, it's it's a very nice description of the two in fact i often wonder if robert if george martin thought about the metals first oh maybe considered the properties yeah. of the metals and built the characters to fit that because it's such a comparison we'll be right back this episode is sponsored by audible to get a free audiobook or two if you're an amazon prime member Go to our exclusive URL, audibletrial.com slash ghostsherrenhall. You can find the link in our show notes. I feel like Stannis has been doing some bending since we've met him. He he forgave the houses who backed Renly instead of backing him, and he, he tried to forgive Renly for... Uh, you know, for uh, trying to usurp his throne when many a person would be too outraged by their own brother trying to usurp their throne than to forgive him and welcome him back. So, And, you know, he's here in the North despite his desire to win the Iron Throne because he felt like it was the right thing to do, not just because he wanted to pee off the wall like yeah, he, uh, we, we've, Tyrion did. We, we've talked about this before. His, his inflexibility met its match when he strove for the Iron Throne. Right. Because he wants it so bad that he compromises all the time. And and sort of, what's funny is he sort of throws sort of like he harkens back to his inflexibility occasionally with actions that are completely unnecessary given all the other things you flexed on. Like, for instance, the burning of Alistair Florence. 
I mean, <laughs> that's just like it just right. seems punitive and stupid, really. If if you're forgiving all these people left and right, so you don't lose your allies, that uh, yeah, you make a fair point right there. He he does tend to pick and choose. Yeah, and, and some of it, you know, I was wondering while I was thinking about this idea here of iron versus steel. I I wonder how much of his bending has to do with the fact that he has no choice. He's in a weaker position than he wants to be. So he has to be a little more forgiving than he'd like. If he were sitting on the Iron Throne, fully in command of the Seven Kingdoms, would he be less flexible? But that in itself is flexibility. If you were truly inflexible, you'd accept the fact that you're not going to win the Iron Throne. But I guess huh? I guess that's no, but 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 I've done I've done him a disservice there because that's absolutely his inflexibility. His inflexibility is, the Iron Throne is mine, and come hell or high water, I'm going to get the Iron Throne because it's mine, and right, even though I don't want it, right, and I'm going to compromise everything else on the path, just because that's the that's the that's the true true. Deep down, I belong on the Iron Throne, and so everything else has to be compromised to make that happen. I think. That yeah. suggests a less honorable spirit than Ned Stark, for instance. Right, sure. I think Ned would give up his aspirations rather than compromise other parts of his honor to achieve his aspiration, even if his aspiration Agreed. was an honorable one. Yeah, completely agree with that. So Stannis himself believes John's story, not Janice Slint's version of John's story, because of Stannis's knowledge of Janice Slint and because of Stannis's knowledge of Eddard Stark. He knew both these people and he said, Ned Stark was never a friend to me, but you'd be a fool to not to question his honesty or his honor. And so Yeah. And and it's it's very good for John that Stannis knows Slint and seems to have a low opinion of him. To to know Slint is to have a low opinion of Slint, I would say. <laughs> Unless you're Alistair Thorne, right. I guess. <laughs> but, you know, it's also helpful to have a king on your side. So far, it seems like Stannis has been staying out of the Night's Watch politics. But I wonder if Slint continues to climb up the the voting tally, if he might speak up and say, listen, I was... He keeps going on about being the lord, uh, being the commander of the Gold Cloaks. I was there in King's Landing. It was it wasn't all that all the uh, glory and fame that he is making it out <laughs> <Yeah>. to be. <laughs> um, I wonder actually if thinking that through, the perfect thing to happen with this story is that uh, Sam girds his loins and comes and asks Stannis to have the conversation with Pike and Malisa. Oh, because yeah. Right. I mean, he'd have to be even braver to do that. But once he's <laughs> yes, done he that, would. then the end result is assured because Stannis won't tolerate them. He'll say, which one of you is it? Right. Just looking at into Stannis's eyes would probably make yeah, Sam pee yeah. his pants. I can't imagine it happening. But, you know, I, it bugs me that he continues to say that Ned was not a friend of his. And I know they kind of had a sibling rivalry, both. well, it was more one-sided. Stannis was vying for his brother's attention and affection and wanted to be named Hand of the King. And instead, Ned got it. And I get that that's why he said he's not his friend. So I, I get all that, but um, maybe I maybe I guess I'm, I'm being a bit unfair to Stannis because it's not... It wasn't known to Stannis just what Ned gave up to try and get Stannis his rightful throne. You mean it's not known to Stannis? Yes, it's not known to Stannis what all Ned went through to try and get... We we were in Ned's head while he was trying to get Stannis' throne. But So it just kind of bugs me that he twice in this chapter says he wasn't a friend of mine, when really he was the only friend he had in King's Landing trying to give him his opportunity at... And and such a friend that it cost him his head and his... He be- well, if he were alive to have any beliefs, he would believe that all of his children were dead too. Right. So yes, it cost him a lot. So I'm being unfair to say that Stannis shouldn't say that, but knowing what we know, it bugs me yeah. when he says yeah, yeah. that. So our worries for Dalla were 
confirmed she died in childbirth so john just stood around did nothing let her die but um <laughs> I, I, I guess that wasn't john. part of the night's watch training um, I, I was just thinking, shouldn't there have been some like Red Cross type training, some um, that's true, you know, medical actually, training? It presumably didn't not involve childbirth. Well, yes, they'll be less likely needed as a brother of the Night's Watch. Than a for instance. Right, yeah, something like that. Um, we, we know that uh, John was left sort of alone with Val and Dalla at the childbirth because... Uh, Varamir Sixkins was left in charge of her, but he was walking with his eagle and the eagle caught fire and drove Varamir Sixkins crazy. And so that's why John was sort of left alone and was seen as sort of a captor of Valandala. But honestly, she was giving birth. She wasn't running away at that point. Yeah, that's that's kind of what uh, John says. He said it did, they didn't require much yeah. uh, <laughs> taking, you know, <laughs> They, I was just kind of left in their presence. But it explains uh, why the Night's Watch had never tried to shoot down that eagle before. They, You know, we were like, why did it take Stannis' force coming in for someone to try and shoot down that eagle? Well, it turns out it wasn't an arrow. It was Melisandre conjuring the Lord of Light, R'hllor, to burn the eagle. Uh, so it wasn't and a... She you don't it, think it was just a fiery arrow caught it? Her... Her saying the phrase, the Lord of Light has fiery talons, means she actually did something magical to burn the eagle. That's how I mm. took that, yes, okay. that she 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 caught the eagle on you fire. See, see, I took it the other way. I took it as, you know, whenever something catches fire, Melisande says, the Lord of Light has fiery <laughs> talons. <you know>. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, you know, one of the other things that's, that's talked about is uh, in this conversation is that the iron border fighting themselves since Balon Greyjoy died. And we've had conflicting uh, bits of information there because she says she did it with her leech that, you know, yeah. remember she burnt one of the leeches. She threw it into yep. the, the pot and said Balon Greyjoy, but the ghost of high heart kind of painted the picture of a faceless man killing Balon Greyjoy. So, now, possibly, R'hllor and the faceless, the god of many faces, or whatever the faceless men god is called, I can't think off the top of my head, uh, maybe they work in conjunction, and, you know, they, like, pass pass the baton off to one another and such. I don't know, it's more like she burned the leech, and the god of R'hllor looked over and said, oh, don't worry, that one's going to take care of itself, you know. Or <laughs> could be that too. <laughs> the other thing he, Stannis mentions on the wall is that he believes that Cersei killed uh, killed Robert. He has no, quite, no, no, no doubt about that. Ned, which she did to a certain extent, although the specifics of the actual beheading were very much out of her control. But also John Arryn, right. which is one that if Cersei was there to defend herself, she would say, honestly, I didn't. No one ever believes me, but I've said it several times. I did not do that. That's right. She'll be like, am I having sex with my brother? Yes. (laughs) Did I give Lancel strong wine to give to Robert and let Robert do the rest and kill himself? Yes. I did not kill John Aaron. (laughs) Just like I didn't send the cat spa to kill Bran. There's nothing she won't admit to. Although I have to say, she was talking to Stannis. She might hold off on the Robert one because... Uh, yes, right. It really depends on the situation. If she's facing her doom, she might admit to it. But if she's hoping to get away, she might not want to say that to Stannis. And she really wouldn't want to say about the incest with her brother, because then he would be like, so I am the king of these seven <laughs> <Right>. kingdoms. <laughs> right. um, so says that he's here not to defeat the Wildlings, but to face the god of night and terror, which is the name that Melisande gives to whatever's coming it is interesting the great other that the conversation with john is primarily about the seven kingdoms and the battle for the iron throne he says right. i'm here to fight the god of night and terror but really what i want from you john is to legitimize you put you in the throne of winterfell and then have a, lo- a stannis loyalist running the north it's like well yeah where's that god of night and terror and all that <laughs> uh well, I think, you know, he kind of 
through the conversation alludes to it bit by bit about how we got, you know, he talks about the wildlings. He says we need to work together. We got to quit fighting before we have to fight the, the great other. And, you know, he kind of alludes to needing the North so that he can, so that they can as well help with the fight against the, the great other. So I guess in a roundabout way, he kind of gets to it, but he doesn't directly say this is, this is the most important thing. We need to do whatever we can to fight the great other. And here's how we're going to do it. He, he says he's, he's here to win the throne. And in order to do so, he's got to save the realm from the great other. And he mentions that this was a fight that he was born into. But, and that's all based on Melisandre's prophecy that when the red star bleeds and darkness gathers, Azor High will be reborn from salt and smoke and wake dragons out of stone or however her prophecy goes. And, and But we've discussed several times that that prophecy fits Danny a whole lot right. better than it fits Stannis. So he might be here and not be suited for this victory, possibly. Interesting. Yeah. And the plan has to be tempting to John. I mean, he he himself admits that it's uh, it was his own childhood dream, of which he was later embarrassed to have had the dream, because as you grow old enough to stop being quite so narcissistic, you realise that for that to happen, Rob would have to die, and presumably Bran and Rickon too. Um, but it has all come to pass, and so the fulfilment of a childish right. dream is uh, is still dream fulfilment. So it's going to be hard for him to say no. I think, even though I know you're going to list some pros and cons here, and the cons <laughs> list is not insubstantial. Um, but the question, right. actually, you pose this, but I'll, I'll pose it to you because you obviously thought of it: is how does John becoming Lord of Winterfell gain uh, Stannis any more men for the fight? Yeah, because it's not populated. I mean, it's it's burned and right. I mean, presumably yeah. many of the North would rally to John. I guess is the point, but they're all off down in the Riverlands. Exactly. So, so one of the things Melisandre wants is for John to burn the werewoods that he, you know, said his Night's Watch vows to, and take Winterfell as a gift from Relor, which sounds an awful lot like we want you to embrace Relor as your god. And that concerns me a bit because I'm not quite sure they understand how the North works. Legitimizing John to a Stark, it might not sit great with all the other Northern Lords, but in the absence of a true heir, I think they could accept the son of Ned Stark as the Lord of Winterfell. But a legitimized bastard who also burned sacred werewood trees and forsakes the old gods, that might be a step too far. You are correct, sir. You are correct. So that does concern me a bit. And yes, the North is an absolute mess right now. And like you said, the, the, the Winterfell men and many of the Northern men are either stuck in the South or dead. So what does he just sit alone in his sacked castle and just be Lord Stark, yeah. the Lord of... It doesn't feel like it helps Stannis in any material way for that to happen, other than the revenge on Roose Bolton. But the... I mean, the Boltons didn't really cross Stannis. They just sided with the Lannisters. They didn't cross Stannis any more than most houses. Yeah, and, and maybe some of the northern houses will rally to John, But also, a great deal of them are, are have their own issues with the Ironborn yeah, and the Boltons absolutely. to deal with, that they can't really rally to John and then rally to Stannis yeah. through John. So, Just before we go any further on, on the offer to John, let me just say once here... Stannis is the one person voicing the idea that we've had from the very beginning, which is it's the only possible yes. solution. Let the wildlings in. They want to cross the wall because they're afraid of what's coming. You have come all this way to fight the Lord of Night and Terror. Well, let them across the wall. And Stannis is the one person who's actually had that really bleedingly obvious idea and seems to want to follow through yeah. with it. And they say he's too brittle. Yeah. Well, Look at to, him. With... To be fair, he never said earlier in the book, there's no way I'm doing that. <laughs> yeah. And his, like you said, his plan is pretty much the reasonable plan that we've been advocating for years through our episodes here. You know, swear fealty, 
keep the king's peace, settle on the gift. Oh, and one little additional thing is take R'hllor as your god. Yeah. That yeah. was not so bad because the wildlings don't mind lying, I, I think. John has a bigger well, problem yes, lying. Well, yes, yes. But but actually the TV show has a slightly different take on this particular part, which is that he, invite, he wants to invite the wildlings through and then make them his army. So this answers the question that you're posing, the TV show's version of it. It becomes his army as an army of wildlings. But he didn't, that that's not spelled out in the book, as I recall. It's not. Yeah. No, no, it's not really. But I, I think he says, you know, we need to stop fighting each other and work yeah. together to defeat the real enemy. And in that way, I guess he's implying yeah. that but, they're going to work as part of my but army. But then given the sort of like the bifurcation of this chapter, does he mean send the wildlings to help John regain Winterfell? Or does he mean get the wildlings to help the Night's Watch defend the wall against... True. Uh, maybe maybe he'll split them up. Some go to Winterfell, some help at uh, on the wall. But, but back... But back to John. So why is Val part of the deal? Uh, so, so Stannis wants John to marry Val to seal an alliance. And again, it's much like with the North. I don't think he understands the wildling. Way. I was going to say exactly the same thing. I was going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> I think he thinks he's thinking in sort of Westerosi terms or, or South of the Wall terms, where a, a political marriage between two families yes. would seal a deal, but. The wildlings don't care one iota. And plus, she's Mance's sister-in-law. Right. And not even Mance's yeah, it, wife. Yeah, they keep calling her the wildling princess. Yeah. But that's because they're thinking in exactly. Westerosi terms. They're not thinking in wildling terms where, uh, you know, Mance has said, "I we don't just... When, when John was in Mance's tent, he said... We don't just follow the oldest brother, you know, or the the next in line or whatever, you know. We follow who we want to yeah. follow. It's so just because they marry John to Val. Now, John did seem to mention that he finds Val quite fetching. Right. So, you know, John might be like, oh, it's not a terrible idea. We can give it a shot. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'll, I'll climb the tower if I have to. I've heard worse ideas. <laughs> so give me give me the yeah. pros and cons then for John. Uh well, uh, real quick, I, w- I wanted to talk about Sam and John real fast because Sam's knowledge about Bran is becoming more than just a nice bit of what would be really great news for John. Uh, it now might be very vital for John's decision here. That's true, but in which direction? Right. Well, you know, so Sam knows that Bran is alive and, and is already the true Lord of Winterfell. So would it it would surely change the calculus for John. So if he know if if John knows Bran's alive, I think John rejects the offer. Okay. Because he loves he, he you know, he's thinking in his head during this conversation that he loves all of his siblings. He didn't want any of this. He didn't want harm to come to any of them, but it has, and he's the last one standing, and so he's considering doing this. I think if one member of the family is still alive, to John's knowledge, it changes okay. his thinking. I'll, I'll admit to everything you said there, but I'll draw the opposite conclusion. If he knows Bran's alive and Bran, thinks Bran is the only one, he goes and fights and wins Winterfell for Bran. Yeah, okay, so Sam... He figures he figures that Bran couldn't do it alone. That Bran will never have the strength right. to do it alone. But he has a golden opportunity to win Winterfell back for the Starks. And if Bran can get back from north of the Wall, he can hand it over to him. And Jon would. Nobody else would. No, no, no other character in this book would stand down as Lord of Winterfell to give it to his younger brother. But Jon would. I see what you're saying. John Wood, yes. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the fact... That I was thinking about what Coldhand said to Sam. The realm thinks this boy is dead. Let's not... We don't want any people chasing after us, so let's not uh, ruin right. that. If if Sam were to tell John, John might say you know, to himself, I need to tell Stannis 
because that's where your your Lord of Winterfell is. Your Lord of Winterfell is traipsing through the north on an elk. So if you send people out to find him and bring him back, then you have your true Lord of Winterfell. That could be another option that he would go if he knew that that was... Yeah. If Bran was alive. Yeah. But the problem is, is both have been sworn to secrecy. Stannis tells Jon, don't tell anybody about what we've talked here today. And we know that Bran, or Sam, swore three vows not to mention it. So uh, it's looking like they probably won't have this conversation. True enough. All right, well, now give me the pros and cons list for John accepting this offer from Stannis. Okay, so here's the pros. No longer a snow. Uh-huh. He becomes a Stark. That's good. Lord of Winterfell, something he's dreamed about since he was a little boy. Marriage to a beautiful woman. Being in the good favor of the king. All positives. And then, as you said at the beginning of our discussion, the sky is now the limit for his life potential right. compared and, to and what our story. as a brother of the Night's Watch. Yes. I, I don't care about John as much as my entertainment. <laughs> right. You're tired of watching him uh, lose toes to the cold. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And if if the new Lord Commander, say, is Jaina Slint or someone who doesn't like John, he'll be out of what would be a bad spot That's in the true. Night's Watch. That is true. That's true. So I'm going to steal. You You did the work here, but I'll, I'll steal the cons. So he'd be forsaking his vows again. Now, again, I think I think if the king proclaimed to all the Night's Watch, this guy's vows are null and void, that would be better than saying, uh-huh. uh, well, you said it to a tree. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. And if the king says, I mean, he he broke his vows on a a fake level. At the command of Corn Halfhand, this is the king of the Seven Kingdoms saying, "I need you to break your vows because I need right. you in Winterfell." So, you know, that's a whole other yeah, level yeah. of um, he doesn't need to come to the haberdashery in Molestown. He can ride on a right. horse to Winterfell, you know, with a retinue and all. Exactly, which which will be his only army, yeah. <laughs> whatever he brings south with yeah. him. <laughs> you call it army, I call it retinue. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he'd be breaking his honor, which of course was going to be a big one for Ned Stark's son. He would certainly be leaving friends behind. Friends, I mean, he has no friends in Winterfell because there's nobody in Winterfell. Uh, the friends right. he did have are dead and gone. Uh, but he has genuine friends here at Castle Black, and so that would be hard for him. Uh, Winterfell is yes. ransacked. Uh, the, there's nobody there, so it would be work to repair it. And the kingdom is in a shambles. It's just Taking Winterfell won't be hard. Just walk through the open door. You can take Winterfell. Right. But rebuilding the North after the debacle that it's in now would be a a lifelong chore. Yes. Yes, it will be quite the challenge. Unless the North, the Northern Lords rally to him faster and stronger than we're imagining when they have all the other things to tend to. All right. Why don't we give us some background on this one? All right. Well, so last week we discussed bastards being raised to knighthood and earning reputations based on merit. And this week, John acknowledges that there's precedent for a king to legitimize a bastard. You might remember that last week we mentioned the first Damon Blackfire, one of King Aegon IV's great bastards, that the king legitimized on his deathbed. And then in the last Jamie chapter, we saw King Tommen sign a decree legitimizing Ramsay Snow into Ramsay Bolton. You might even recall the conversation between Cat and Rob over Rob's heir, that he had planned to legitimize John as his heir in the event that Rob had no children. Okay, so here's the deal. It's said that only a monarch can legitimize a bastard, and, and yes, that is mostly true. But this background is special because I have a bastard-themed trivia question oh, for you all. Chat GPT? About... <laughs> I wouldn't trust Chat GPT on this one. Okay, so here's the question. Name the couple whose bastard children were legitimized when the High Septon finally allowed them to get married after forbidding it for quite a while. na 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 
Okay. If you need more time to think about the question, please just pause because no one wants to listen to my humming or dead air. Wow. Everybody <laughs> or me thinks thinking. this through. <laughs> yes. So I'm going to tell you, but I've also got to be careful. I can't go too far into the details because some of it deals with the Dance of the Dragons. And I don't want to spoil anything for House of the Dragon, which is an additional pain to not spoil two different things. Yeah. So, but... I will say Lionel Hightower became Lord of the Hightower when his father died. And not long after that, he announced he planned to marry his stepmother, the Lady Samantha Tarley. The High Septon got wind of the plan and refused it as a form of incest. So instead, Lady Sam, as she was known, became Lionel's paramour for 13 years. The couple produced six kids together. Eventually... Lady Sam convinced the High Septon to concede to their marriage. His doing so, and their subsequent marriage, had the effect of legitimizing their children without the need of a monarch's decree. That's, that is interesting, because by definition, they remain bastards. Sure. Because at the time right? of their birth, the parents were unmarried. But yeah, yeah. it's a good counterexample. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> so you didn't know... That it was Lionel Hightower and Lady Samantha no, Tarley. I mean, I should have done, but that was your that was your second yeah, guess. Second guess, yeah, yeah. <laughs> After some Targaryen, sometime. Right. All right. Comparison with the television show, this chapter is captured in season five, episode one. Oh, but it's wow. Okay, much truncated. The basic elements are there: uh, John sparring with the recruits, Melisandre interrupting. The winch ride together, Stannis chatting on the wall. But some important details differ. There is no Val, no Dalla, no baby. So that whole part of the offer oh. is gone. Uh, there's no talk yes. of legitimizing John. Instead, Stannis wants to let the wildlings through, as I mentioned earlier, to make them his army. Uh, he intends to retake Winterfell himself. His only need for John is to get Mance to bend the knee so that the wildlings will follow him as their king. Oh, that is a much less useful offer. Yes, and also it's a it's it's a much less interesting story for Jon Snow. I mean, like I said, right. this story has opened up all these vistas for Jon and the TV show never gave him that opportunity. Okay. So, maybe it's coming. I, I, I don't watch ahead on the show. I zero in on the bit that corresponds to the chapter. So I have a sure. I, yeah. very, very laser focus. So, uh, Okay. Uh, pedantry Corner? I have nothing. I don't have anything either. Apart from uh, the, the thing we talked about, about not really understanding why Val would be part of the deal. I mean, maybe they're either misunderstanding the wildlings or they're misunderstanding Jon right. Snow's motivations or both. Because... It doesn't yeah. affect either of those, really. The... Yeah, one of the last lines from Stannis when John asks for time to think about it, he says, "What you don't want to marry Val? You you should know she's part of the deal." So it sounds to me like he he is misunderstood. He is using Westerosi mindset, thinking about how to subdue right. the wildlings. That, that wasn't really to lure John. It was the other the other side of it the the trying to get the wildlings on board part which was param yes. paramount in uh, Stannis's thinking yeah I hear that right uh, news and notes news and notes we have a pretty bulky news and notes Go section on, today well according to his blog George Martin has had a whirlwind trip to the UK recently among the laundry list of excursions. He met with his writer and writer and director of the stage play that they were calling Harrenhal, but now are calling the Iron Throne. Did did, did our lawyers get involved? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. <laughs> Things are coming along, and he is hoping for a late 2024 opening. So maybe by 2036. <laughs> I don't know. We'll I, see. I see where you were going there. <laughs> Uh, he also met with his British publisher to talk about, along with many other things, Winds of Winter. No uh, no mention of what they talked mm -hmm. about, other than that they did. 
Uh, he stopped by the set of House of the Dragon and was blown away by the enormity and the realistic nature of it all, especially he specifically mentioned the Red Keep, okay. how amazingly real and huge it was. And he met with Ryan Condal and company to talk about House of the Dragon, and he got to see a rough cut preview of the first two episodes of season two, which he said, and he admitted he might be partially biased, but he said they were amazing. And finally, he mentioned that he got to meet with some old friends, including one Maisie Williams, a.k.a. Arya Stark. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a new sustainer, Mason Martell, whose uh, review we read just recently has joined us at the uh, small council tier. That is, yes. that is that is where you belong, Mason. You're, yes, that you're is a trusted a advisor. Lofty man. tier. Uh, yes. We look forward to interacting, uh, interacting with you frequently. Thanks very much. Yes, thank you so much. And Mason's joined the Discord server, and we've talked to Mason a, a few times there. So, And uh, this is our last regular episode of the year. You've got the outtakes episode to look forward to next week. Uh, then we are going to take a couple of weeks off, but we'll be back in 2024 to wrap up Storm of Swords and dig into a Feast for Crows. Oh, man, yeah, we're close to the next book, aren't we? We really are, yeah. And... Just a thank you, since it is our last episode of the year. Thank you all for an amazing 2023. We saw incredible growth in our listener base. We've had a blast with things like our live video episodes and our sustaining video chats. And we are uh, humbled and honored to have you guys as our extended family. So thank you very much for listening. Yes, what Simon said. Thank you all so much. It's It's really been, when 2022 ended, I thought, how are we ever going to top that? This, there's going to be a, some sort of crash here in 2023. And all we've done is continue to go up. And, and, you know, 2022, we had a big bounce from House of the Dragon. We, yeah, yeah. We, and we had a lot new, a lot more uh, people coming to us who, were, who saw House of the Dragon and became interested. We didn't have that in 2023, but yet we still had fantastic growth. So thank you all. It's been a lot of fun. It really has. All right, let's conclude this one. So Stannis means business. He'll take the gift from the next Lord Commander and give it to the Wildlings. Uh, he's even going to invite the Giants through, which is which is interesting because I'm not sure it that is. everybody in the Seven Kingdoms would see the Giants as actually human. So uh -huh. inviting them right. is uh, a big thing. He's. He... I wonder how the Umbers will feel about that because you know their sigil is a giant. In chains. Uh, it has a giant on it, breaking, yeah, yeah. breaking the chains. And, and, you know, they consider themselves like the big, strong, burly men of the North. And then there will be actual giants <laughs> as neighbors. <laughs> and Stannis is here to don the mantle of Azor Ahai and defeat the god of night and terror. And as part of that plan, he'll free Jon to become Lord of Winterfell to further his aims. Not quite sure how those things coalesce, but uh, Stannis has a plan. Yeah, yeah. And, and he does mention, we didn't really talk a lot about it, but he mentioned that he's been chatting with Mance and that Stannis called Mance stubborn. Stannis called Mance stubborn. So <laughs> that is saying something. Whenever I, whenever I think of stubbornness, I think of uh, a few years ago when our kids were younger. We went on vacation uh like we normally do and we took one extra kid who didn't belong to anyone well i mean she belonged to someone <laughs> she, she didn't belong to the Just... families that were going on vacation we brought this one extra kid okay and she's a nice kid she she's you know she she didn't do anything wrong and but when we handed her back to her parents i said no oh, she was great she was really good i said she's stubborn though and the dad was like, oh, yeah. Just because just occasionally you would ask her to do something she didn't want to do. And she would, her nostrils would flare and she would <laughs> hit you with a stare. And you'd be like, Ooh. I would not, I'm, nope, never I'm glad I'm not your parent who you would actually say no to. You're actually going to do what I asked. But ooh. <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Well, yeah, well, hopefully uh, things turn better out better for her than Mance because uh Stannis is pretty sure that he's going to have to put Mance to the flames yeah. because of his stubbornness. TV show Mance has still got a chance because that's what John's going to go and do, try and convince him to bend the knee. It sounds like Mance is really not backing down from this, no, we're not giving you our freedoms thing that he said to yeah. John in the tent. And it's going to cost him his life well, to stand his ground. I think Mance probably thinks he's already a, 
Ghana, you know, because he did break his Night's Watch vows for real. He could, he, he could yeah. probably say, well, you know, who's dead? Uh, Lord Commander Mormont told me to go and... <laughs> Corrin Halfhand told me yeah. that too. Super <laughs> secret mission. Many years. <laughs> I'm back to become the new Lord Commander. <laughs> yes. Throw his, throw his name on the, in the pots. <laughs> uh, it would be quite funny if he got a vote. <laughs> uh, Dalla did die in childbirth. So we'll take a moment to spare a thought for the dangers of childbirth and the guts and strength of all the moms. Uh, and we... Absolutely. Absolutely. I was watching a TV show today where a woman was giving birth and, oh man. It's scary. It, it never, yeah. It, it really is. It's a pretty amazing. It, like, yeah. It's, how... As a magic trick, it is the best there is. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> right. that Creating something out of yeah. nothing. Right. But, uh, yeah. And can John resist this offer? Should he? Is the religious aspect sufficient to make this to to be a deal breaker? Yeah, you know, John could have it all. The surname, the Lord of Winterfell, the girl. All he has to do is say yes. A nice warm God to, you know. Right. A God who actually has proven to do stuff. If we're right, if my if my take on the on what Melisandre was saying was right. Then Melisandre channeled R'hllor and burned that eagle in the sky, which is just that alone is more than we've seen the seven true, do. True. So, you know, there's that. But, uh, but, but you know, you know John's going to ask himself, what would Ned do in this situation? But right. you know what? I, what would I think Ned do? Ned, now that he's a head shorter, would be a lot more amenable to, you know, deft maneuver yeah right fly uh you know fast and loose with some of the rules stay alive (laughs) i've learned my lesson but we've got we've got sam and john hanging on to these secrets that the other could benefit from hearing which would ultimately affect john's decision but they've both been sworn to secrecy so unless one of them breaks a vow John, I'm looking at you. You've got practice <laughs> Again, at it. it's the front of a tree, John. Come on. You might as well set it to a shoe. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, then neither of them are going to know about the other's secret. And John's going to make this decision without knowing that Bran is alive. And next up for us, but not until 2024, is Tyrion. That'll be exciting. That's right. All the way back down to the nation's capital. There's four ways that you can help us. You could leave us a five-star rating and positive review. You can buy merchandise at ghostofharrenhall.threadless.com. There's still time for, before the holidays. You could buy us a cup of Arbor Gold at buymeacoffee.com slash ghostsharrenhall. Become a sustainer at one of the many levels that are available and get the benefits therefrom. Or you can just donate directly to our cause through our website, ghostsofharrenhall.buzzsprout.com. And if you're looking for more ways to interact with us, Keeping up on the latest Ghosts of Heron Hall news and developments, well, you can check us out on our social media. You can follow us on Twitter at Ghost Heron Hall. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, Discord, and YouTube. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.